Hello and welcome to Reflex Point, your weekly podcast where we review and discuss the series Robotech one episode at a time. We're your hosts, Major Medina. And I'm Paul Marquez. And this week we are starting the show with an absolutely incredible guest. You may recognize him from his numerous appearances in television and movies. In addition, he's a theater actor, a writer, a director, and was a captain in the United States Army Special Forces. But fans of Robotech know him as the man who was in charge of the SDF-1 when the Zentradi entered Earth's space and forced an emergency spacefold to the other side of Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are absolutely honored to be joined by the man who brought Captain Henry Joseph Global to life, Mr. Greg Finley. Greg, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm humbled by the introduction, and uh, I just am looking forward to spending some time with you guys and answering any questions you might have, and it's a pleasure to be here. We really can't uh, overstate what a joy it is to have you with us. Yeah, it definitely. And, and just to give you some context for the show, what we do is break down one episode in as much glorious detail as we possibly can muster. And at the end, <laughs> at the end, we end, uh, we, we each name an MVP of the episode. So I'd like to tell you of the 18 episodes we've reviewed thus far, uh, Captain Global's yeah. name has come up as MVP on more, more than one occasion. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great news. And it kind of goes along with, I, I just found the first Henry J. Glovel movable action figure for sale. It's coming out in the first quarter of 2021. Oh, my And uh, so this, this is making my day very wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that appreciate is it, a definite must-have for us now. <laughs> well. But before we get to all our questions, sure, we, we can't help but discuss that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So we wanted to take a moment to ask you, how are you doing through all this? Am I personally doing I'm doing great. Um, I pretty much have retired from the uh, voiceover business. I haven't really worked since uh, 2016. So it's been about five years now. I'm still very active in local theater here in Boise, Idaho, and uh, in directing, and uh, I still dabble in screenwriting, but um, my wife and I, Pat Patricia and I, are, are very happy, very healthy. We have uh, two of our, our two sons live here in Boise, so we're able to uh, shelter in place and yet see our, our sons uh, from on a weekly basis, basically. Uh, and uh, we're doing very well. I mean, for two old people, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing we're doing really well. Thank you very much. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> That is uh, that is relieving to hear. Excellent to hear. Yes. So I know you grew up in in Los Angeles in an entertainment family, and uh, even attended uh, Beverly Hills High School. Then shortly after graduating, you joined the Army. Um, can you tell us what the transition from seventy and sunny California to hot and humid Georgia was like? <laughs> well, my basic training was uh, I flew uh, on June the twenty seventh. Uh, 1965, I flew from LAX to Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, when I boy. stepped off the plane at four o'clock in the morning, it was 98 degrees <laughs> and the humidity was 99%. I was wearing a suit, which had to be thrown away two days later because it was so drenched. It was wow. a, a great, a great 
culture shock to go from Beverly Hills <laughs> to Shreveport, Louisiana, or even Reesville, Louisiana, where Fort Polk was. But, uh, yeah, I was in definite culture shock. Definitely. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you back on it. It was ridiculous. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I joined the Army right out of high school because I, I felt like I wanted to play football in the Army. I enlisted to go to Germany and play football. And the day I enlisted, they eliminated interposed athletics. So football was out, for, and I enlisted for three years. So I went to Osho's Candidate School, and that was in that was in Columbus, Georgia, at Fort Benning, and got commissioned at the age, ripe old age of nineteen. I was the youngest second lieutenant in the army wow. for several months, and I, and then of course the following years I was the youngest first lieutenant in the army. I was then the youngest captain in the army, and, and so etc. So, uh, but I. I uh, I, I wouldn't change any of that. I mean, I was here. I did the school plays, and I played football in high school, and I was very active in choir and singing. And uh, but I wouldn't change my military experience at all. It was the eighteen months I spent in Vietnam were rewarding, terrifying. There were so many different adjectives you could use, but I'm I'm grateful for having had the experience. And uh, what's it like getting your butter bars at nineteen? <laughs> well, I got my butter bar. <laughs> my butter bars. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like uh, maybe eighth, uh, nineteen sixty-five or sixty-sixty-six, rather. I turned nineteen, and on May the twenty-sixth, I was commissioned second lieutenant. It was. Uh, I, I I handled it. I think in my looking back on it, I I felt like I was in the right place, doing the right thing, and it was okay. I I, I didn't have any qualms about being able to handle the mission or handle the, the, the situation. And uh, I was very confident. So you had, you had and, that a- officer attitude at 19. It, it wasn't something that came to you through the military. It was just something you had normally. I guess so. I, you know, I mean, I was captain of the football team, et cetera, uh, et cetera, in high school. And okay. you know, I was a president of the choir, president of the medicals, blah, blah, blah. But yes, so I, 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 leadership, I like, I enjoyed leadership. <laughs> I, I prefer leading than following. It definitely sounds like it. What position did you play in football? I was Beverly Hills High School, fabulous right offensive tackle and left defensive end. Uh, I made all CIF my senior year. I was all league uh, for three years, my junior and sophomore years also. Uh, and I was a team captain the last couple of years. So uh, me and a guy named John Rias were captains our senior year. And uh, we uh, we had terrible football teams. <laughs> you know, we had great swimming and tennis teams, but we didn't have our football team was was very small. We had twenty nine guys, uh, and uh, we were a hardy bunch. <laughs> just kicked all over the field every every game. <laughs> but you know, that's part of growing. You know, you, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you tougher. So I guess it was okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah, some of some of the best character building moments I had in life were on teams that came in last place. You know, exactly. That's exactly right. So uh, I, I had a lot of character building. <laughs> a lot. I have character coming out of my ears. At exactly. Some point. <laughs> <laughs> Would I rather play for the Patriots? Oh yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> So, Greg, I understand that you began uh, acting in theater in high school. 
what drew you to acting, and uh, who were your biggest influences? Well, my high school music teacher, Robert Evans Holmes, uh, when I first met him, he heard me singing in something in junior high school, so he knew I was coming to Beverly. And he said, uh, you're going to play Billy Bigelow in Carousel someday. And I said, oh, okay. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, by the time I, I, I graduated from high school, we had done Carousel, we had done uh, Shakespeare, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, I'd say Otto Frank and the Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, I was in Brigadoon. I, I just love theater. So if I wasn't in football and wrestling in the fall and the winter, then in the spring, I did the spring play for four years. And uh, that's where I met some of my, my lifelong buddies, some of who were, had become enormously successful in show business, uh, which is great. Wow. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I just love I love theater, and I and I've followed I've done it my whole life. You did one of my dream roles, which is uh, Lazar Wolf in uh, Fiddler. <laughs> to life, <laughs> to life, <laughs> yes, yeah. I had uh, I got to play that with two of the best tevies that ever did the parts, Gary Gordon and um, Michael Levine. They were just marvelous tevies. And I was lucky to play laser. Oh. It was a wonderful part, a lot of fun. It is. It, it <laughs> is. You know, and watching the watching the movie and watching the play, it's just if I could have played it, that's what I would have played. And and if I was able to go back and pick another profession, it would have been butcher. So it's just natural. <laughs> <laughs> well, my best friend for many, many, many years, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Uh, Ernie Forte. He was a butcher. Uh, he had two pensions. He he was a butcher his entire life, and uh, but he and he loved me as Laser Wolf. That <laughs> 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 was great. Yeah. Our wives are well, lifelong awesome. friends, so uh, yeah. But I, lo- I I've always loved theater. I've, I've I love directing theater. Uh, I'm still directing theater. Uh, was supposed to direct Marvelous Wonder Winter Winter Wonderettes, uh, the sequel to Marvelous Wonderettes this year, but COVID canceled it. Sure. So, uh, you know, we just, we just, we're going to stay in the game. 73 and keep on marching. (laughs) 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 Oh my, how time flies. So moving over to, uh, to Captain Global, you've said that uh, Global's voice is a mix of uh, Eastern European accents, including like Russian and German and Irish. And and when you said Transylvanian, and, and especially since he has a popped collar on screen, I just I, I can't help but think of Dracula nowadays. But well, it was the first the first I mean, the, when the, when they had the audition for the part. You know, I I said, well, what do you want? Do you want Russian or Scotch? I'm sure. And I said, and he said, well, yeah, that sounds good. I said, so I just put together a mishmash of what I thought Eastern European would be. I had no idea what I was doing. It was the most fortunate moment in casting I could ever imagine. But that's, that's the thing I want to ask about. That's, that's the point is, is okay. So you went in and you said, okay, what's it going to sound like? Russian, German, Irish. What, what are you looking for? Were you prepared to give all those versions of accents? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea what Robotech was about. I had none. I mean, literally. It was just an open casting call at uh, Intersound. Bob Barron was running the audition. Yeah. And uh, and I knew Bob because we had worked together doing you know other voices there at Intersound. And it was just an open casting call. 
And I said, so what are we looking for? <laughs> he said, well, uh, we, we, we kind of think he might be a good Captain Glovel. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, what is he? He says, well, he's Eastern European dignified admiral in the Navy or a captain in the Navy. And I said, okay, well, so Russian, uh, Scotch, what? And he said, yeah, just do all those. And so I just went off, and about 10 minutes later, I came back and I said, this is Captain Henry J. Glover of the, of the SBF one. Uh, and he said, yeah, use that. That sounds good. And I'll be darned. <laughs> but it was just, you know, it was a, a moment thing. And, uh, and I got very lucky. <laughs> That's the thing. Given given that your vocal ability and, and talent with accents, um, what shows or cartoon influenced you when you were growing up? Um, I wasn't a real big cartoon guy, actually. Okay. Uh, I watched Soupy. Are you Spales. telling me? Are you telling me that the captain of the football team was not into cartoons? No, we were into Soupy Sales. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, right. <laughs> We, we even made sure the football practice was over every day at four thirty, so we could get home and watch Soupy at five on Channel Five. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but uh, no, I was more of a Hardy Boys. I, 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 you know, I liked all the Musketeers, of course, but I was into all the uh, the Hardy Boys. Uh, I did a lot of reading. I read, you know, all the Tom Swift books and eventually the Ian Fleming books. And uh, but cartoons were never really my thing. <laughs> which is why probably I didn't spend a lot of time doing animation other than Robotech. You know, most of my voiceover is, yeah. is uh, other than the Disney movies, uh, is basically um, live action, live action stuff, not animation. Right. right. That's when when Major and I were younger and we started to watch Robotech, it was, it was great because you couldn't call it a cartoon. And I had seen a little bit of earlier stuff too, but I was like, "What? This this isn't you know like the Flintstones. What would you call this?" And when the when the word exactly. anime started to become mainstream here, I was like, "Perfect! I can tell people I don't like cartoons. I like anime. Like I like Robotech. anime exactly because it's it's much more reality based. It deals with situations that you never see in cartoons. When when you get hit on the head with a with a hammer in anime." You're going to bleed and probably have a cracked skull. It's not like uh, Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> you, know, you don't get blown up and then you come right back. So, you know, cartoons and anime are much, much different. Right. Swallowing different. TNT isn't really very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, your stomach doesn't, doesn't puff out and then come back in and then you move on. No, no I, I, but that's, that's, that, that's my case, too. And I thought... Wow, I thought this is really groundbreaking stuff. I mean, even some of the scenes are, are they edited out. There's the, the original Robotech had, you know, showering scenes and nudity, and which didn't make, you know, didn't make the cut in America, but it was there. And we saw that, uh, and it was like mind boggling. Wow, really? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is, this is for adult kids or kids that, that are not entertained by silly cartoons. Yeah, we 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 definitely felt like a uh, a group onto our own as we we're watching it, and uh, because we felt like 
Yeah, well, you know, we get Robotech, so we're just a little bit smarter than all our peers. You know? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that, yeah, that's, that's cool, and I believe that. I do. <laughs> and then yeah, I'll tell you the the experience of uh, watching the remastered edition where they where they cut back in all the the scenes of uh, showering and nudity and I remember watching it for the first time going like I, I don't remember this, I remember this part as a kid <laughs> no that's because it wasn't there <laughs> and I'm sure my 13 year old self would have remembered every detail had it played oh of course absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. So, Greg, you've said in the past that the production of Robotech was fast. Uh, given that you were writing episodes, voicing characters, and doing voice direction, was it a high-stress situation? It was semi-high stress. The reason it wasn't high-high stress is because the money uh, – they didn't pay us enough money to make it high stress. You know, and that's why I did the thing under the the name Guy Garrett. Those are my two sons. That's that's my Robotech name is for them. But as far as at Intersound, oh my God, it was like you'd go in there at four o'clock in the afternoon and you'd have a you know writing session or you'd have a, uh, you know, a production meeting. And then the next thing you know, you were in the studio recording your parts in, in two or three episodes. And then uh, you take a, a dinner break and then you come back at 10 o'clock and from 10 to two in the morning, I was directing uh, an episode or two. Uh, so, and it was, it was every day. And yes, it was, it was stressful because they, everybody wanted perfection. We all did. Uh, the writing demands and the, and the directing and acting demands were were really very high, and there were some really good good voice people that came out of it too, and came out of it on the better side of it because of it. We cut our teeth on on that. I mean, you know, a modern ADR studio, for example, has a beep system and uh, and, a, and, a, and a large screen, and, and you have a director. Well, we had a you know a seventeen inch television. And we were watching time code to get our starts. So, I mean, it, it was just, and there were no beeps. So, I mean, it was just, it was, it was really jungle warfare. It was just intense. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It really was. Oh. Does that, did that help? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, that's, that's amazing. So, so you you were involved during the entire production of the the eighty five episodes of the show. It wasn't just yes. Macross series, right? No, it was. Yeah, I was lucky enough to write about. I think totally, I wrote about eighteen of the episodes and directed on you know what more than half of them. So yeah, I was I was involved in a lot. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that writing process because you know when we take notes for the episodes, we're we're doing very similar things in that we're watching a line of dialogue. We'll come out, we'll pause it, we'll write our notes. Sometimes it'll be something we have to research and, and take a look at it. Um, so you know, from start to finish, it, it takes like two hours. I can't imagine actually trying to to translate and and fit it into the larger story. Well, it wasn't it, fitting it into the story wasn't the hard part. Fitting uh, the uh, the labials and the consonants and the the posives into the sure. lips that was the hard part because you know you, all the things are doing just opening and closing 
And when they when they close, you have to have a BP or an M in there. And so, that's just so many words in, in English that start with BP and M. So, and that was the real challenge. And we, I think we did an amazing job. I think there's a, a lot of that stuff looks like really, really good modern day uh, animation. And that's because we were, we, we worked really hard to get, to make it look as good as, and make sense too. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was going to say that, that very thing you say where you, you where you think it looks, where you think it came out well, it had never occurred to me, and I know a little bit about animation, and it, it never occurred to me that you would have had to have written it that way. So I think the greatest compliment is is that we never noticed it. Oh well, thanks. That's awesome. Uh, my, it used to make my wife crazy because I, you know, I'd, I'd go in the living room, I'd sit on the floor. I've got my uh, VHS. <laughs> It took forever to rewind, and, it, and then it would go, and then stop, and then stop, click, stop, zip, and then back. It was like crazy trying to, and hours, literally hours and hours to write each episode. But it was worth it. It was it worked out really well. That, that it did. It so what, what? What was the total amount of time you worked on the show? Oh my gosh! I think we started working on it. In 1981, and it didn't come out until you know, like 84. Right. We, our busiest time was 82, 83, and I remember that because that's when I got married and my son was born in 83. So uh, it was just, I, I, I don't think I can even describe, I don't think I really understand how much time I spent on that. But each episode was literally. 20 or 30 hours of work. I mean, just work sitting on the floor, backing the VCR up, looking at it again, trying to make it make sense and keeping the storyline going in the direction that uh, Masek wanted called Masek wanted. So, so you really had to grind away. Oh, it was a, it was a super grind. Mm-hmm. And then remember, that's just at home. Then you go in and you got meetings and then you got the, the, the the recording sessions and then doing your, my part and then doing Leonard also. It was, it was, I was busy. I was busy. Okay. So, so Paul, I want, I want you to keep this in mind whenever we're on an episode and we, we point out a discrepancy. How much time? Yeah, no, I, I can easily now uh, forgive any, any oh, little sure minor thing that we just put under the microscope way too hard. <laughs> That's okay. That's awesome. It's, it's really cool that you guys do that. So that's really cool. I think the writers would laugh if they've heard about how far under the microscope we put stuff under. Uh, um, <laughs> just to give you an example, there was an episode where Rick and Lisa fell from tremendous heights in one of the Zentradi ships. And we had to come up with mm-hmm. how in the heck did they survive that? And what we ended up coming oh. up with is that on the Zentradi ship, the... Gravity is probably set at a different level than on an Earth ship because when you're a big 50-foot alien, you don't need gravity the same way, you know, uh, people on Earth needed. And so being much lighter, they probably look like flying squirrels gliding down into the water. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, and that's very logical, actually. So that's, I think you guys did a good job with that one. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I have to ask... When they were handing out writing assignments, was it was it one of those? Well, does anybody here want to be a writer? And your hand shut up and said, "I'll give it a shot." What what, what gave you the confidence? You uh, were there. You, 
<laughs> you were there. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, they did ask. They did ask me, would I be interested? And I said, oh, absolutely, sure, absolutely. And you, you know, you have to remember that Robotech actually was the learning experience that I needed to become successful in the uh, group ADR business. I mean, everything I learned about voiceover, I learned in that two and a half year period working at Intersound on Robotech. And it made me so much stronger than the people out there that that were doing ADR work at the time because it was such, you know, guerrilla, that guerrilla studio, but uh, but it was what's the word. It was so basic. Less, there was less no, than state there was of the art. Help. Right. It was all us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, um, anyway, that's I was very grateful. And, and they, they did. They asked uh, anybody. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I can't remember what episode I started on, but and then we would all, you know, you'd be down the hall, you'd be in like Studio A, and, and someone would see would say, I've got a real problem. I can't make this line fit. And then we'd sit around and we'd work on it, and then they'd go back in and record it. So it was, it was, a, it was a good community. I mean, the guys were great. Baron was the greatest. Uh, Greg Snegoff, uh, Stevie Kramer. Uh, oh God, I won't remember all these names, but they're just—they were—we we had a great, a great family of uh, of writers and uh, and directors, and and some of the guys, you know, are still doing really well, really, really well today. You know, just because we don't have a, a, an insight into into that writers' room, who had a sense of humor, who didn't? Uh, you know, did did Robert Barron have a sense of humor? Oh my God, Bob, Bob, Bob Barron was the funniest man to ever walk the planet. He, <laughs> Is could, that right? find, he, he could find more more humor in anything than anybody you ever knew. He, <laughs> you know, he looked like uh, Ben. He looked like uh, Abraham Lincoln, literally. Uh, yeah. You've seen him in uh, Bill and Ted, and uh, but just and just the nicest guy, but hilarious. Uh, Snagloff was. Everybody had a good sense of humor, but Greg was uh, Greg was a lot of business, very business like. Uh, Stevie Kramer, same way, uh, but just everyone's personality blended really well at that time, and it was only after Robotech that the, that some of the personalities, you know, decided to go into other businesses and, and broke away from uh, that group. They have, had a great support group, also. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, we are currently celebrating the 35th anniversary of Robotech, and uh, we wanted to know if you had any thoughts on why it continues to resonate so strongly with the fans. Um, I think it's because it had such a, uh, a great effect on on uh, people that were uh, that were in their youth in the in the ni- early 1980s, and you know when it affects the father or the mother. Uh, then that they, that has a tendency to get shared in the uh, passed down from generation to generation. So when Robotech, you know, came on Netflix and, and became more available and it was streaming, I think a lot of parents say, "Hey, I watched this as a kid. You should watch this as a kid." And it's the same thing. All of these principles and feelings and emotions and they're the same today as they were then, even in the 1980s then. I mean, 
good and evil and some <laughs> trotties. Right? Loss and love. <laughs> Loss and love. I mean, God, I mean, who will ever ever forget some of the things in, in Robotech? First time you ever had a hero like that die. It's, you know? Yes. When, yeah, so it's, uh, and it, it still applies today. I think it will always. I would love to see a Robotech live action movie, frankly. Oh, please. <laughs> We've all been waiting for that for decades, so. From from your mouth to God's ears, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, from my mouth to Warner Brothers' ears. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, eventually I think that will happen. I really do, because it's very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. You know, I, I, I agree. I do think it will eventually happen. I think one of the, the greatest things about the community of Robotech fans is even if nothing ever happens, even if nothing else ever happens, I mean, um, we are really, really, and in, in the 35, uh, 35th anniversary kind of proves this, we're really satisfied with what we have. You know, it's, it's, it's not this insane itch to try to get something else out or, or what have you. It, it's really what we had in in those in those three shows you know the three generations right was perfect in our opinion and that's why you know 30 years later i'm still talking about it <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right <laughs> you know because... i can i can assure you greg we're normal people <laughs> <laughs> so am i <laughs> but it's true it's just it's these are timeless uh and uh, it was very well done, and uh, it, yeah. it deserves an audience today. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is really well done. We 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 monitor um, uh, on the podcast. We monitor the uh, the hero's journey uh, as closely as we can. And, and I think one of the things um, that's great about Robotech is that it keeps reinventing it. So it keeps going almost a full gamut of the hero's journey, either through Rick or, or anybody else really, because everybody's really fleshed out. And then it kind of starts over. And I think we all grab onto that and feel, um, I don't know, some kind of primal satisfaction from, from the show. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And the main heroes get so different from each one, you know, Rick and his struggles, Dana and hers. And then my personal favorite, Scott and his, each character was their own uh-huh. archetype, and it was it was a, it it never felt recycled. It was always fresh. That was a miracle in 1982, and it's a miracle today. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and I and I love that that uh, Paul and I's favorite being that 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 third generation. Uh, I, I love that you said um, Gregory Snegoff was uh, all business because uh, if that isn't Scott Bernard, I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. A lot of those voices are uh, the, the re- and what makes what makes them live so is that the people that did the voices are that way. <laughs> Who's my Zendrati big buddy? Epcar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Richard Epcar. <laughs> he, he, all these guys did such a good job. So I, we're all friends today, and it's really cool. It really is cool. Yeah, it is really cool. You no, know, we, we actually, uh, we, we spoke with uh, Rebecca. Ah. And she was a delight. Oh, that's good. Well, like so, I said, all the people that were talking, we, everyone got along. There was, there was no, uh, there were no uh, divas, no, there was no diva-ness. 
and uh, having Bob Barron as the as the uh, overall director was just brilliant because he he could handle anything. He was great. Carl was great, great to work with and for. Uh, we were we were very fortunate. Uh, I think we're the ones who are yeah, fortunate. Yeah. Can't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I I know you said you're retired, but or semi-retired, but you know, as a creative person, I can't imagine there isn't something you're doing to express that in one way or another. Anything you're working on right now, you can tell us about. I have a cartoon that I'm that I finished working on about two years ago, which hasn't they haven't finished post on that yet. But it's a traditional cartoon. It's not anime. Okay. Uh, dealing with uh, pollution and uh, modern themes, it's brilliant. And it should be out in late 21, early 22. And when that happens, I will let you guys know. Uh, but it, it, it's very exciting. The stuff that I've seen so far, very exciting. Um, the Boise Little Theater, and uh, I'm still looking forward to directing there, uh, you know, as, as the COVID thing changes. And uh, if Hollywood calls and says, you know, come on down, we've got a job for you, I'm happy to go, but I'm not soliciting at all. So I'm just very content playing golf, living here in beautiful Boise. Got my great family. I'm very fortunate. Oh, that's fantastic. Very fortunate. Yes, and, and please, please let us know when that when when that movie's out. Um, oh, well, I wish I could talk about it more, but I can't. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Um, wow, Paul. <laughs> I let's see. I, I I still can't believe we have Captain Global with us. So I'm still <laughs> trying to to get keep my senses about me. Uh, Mr. Finley, we know that uh, uh, Captain Global enjoyed his pipe. Did you ever partake in such vices? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I, I chewed Nicorette and used the patch for 10 years trying to get off cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, you never – my poor wife. I would come home from those things. Everybody smoked in those days. Everybody. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, just as an aside, one of the – things that I was fortunate enough to do. I did all the smoking inhales and exhales for the smoking man on X-Files, the movie, the series <laughs> X-Files. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all those, every time you see that guy inhale, exhale, let's see, that was me. And we actually smoked in the studio to do that. Um, smoking was, yeah, everybody smoked. So yes, I smoked. I smoked for, God, I guess 40 years, you know, three packs a day. <laughs> <laughs> I was a crazy smoker, uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, you know, but no more, no more, <laughs> no more, yeah, no more, right. <laughs> no more, no more cigarettes for Greggy. No, it's just horrible. But uh, yeah, we we all smoked back in those days. Just about everybody. My gosh, and you know, but Bobby Bobby Barron died of lung cancer, so it was it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, but let's stay happy. But staying happy. Sure. Well, okay. I never so, smoked a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nowadays, but, uh, you, you, nowadays you hold a cigar and your wife gives you that look and you say, "I was just holding it. I wasn't going to light it." <laughs> I was just holding it. I wasn't going to light it. <laughs> that my my favorite line I think is going to be a long trip. Yes. <laughs> 
I was just holding it. I wasn't going to write it. <laughs> oh, my God, I remember that. <laughs> we had so much fun. We were so fortunate. <laughs> Man, we were, you know, we were making big bucks back then. No, not, not at all. <laughs> but everybody did it for love and for a little money. And, uh, you know, we were all union members. and We all did it clandestinely because we didn't want to get booted out of the union. Sure. And, yeah. <laughs> Well, Greg, I, oh I think gosh. your time is a little bit later than we are over here, so I'm sure it's getting later for you. Um, uh, it's 15 here in beautiful Boise, but I've really enjoyed speaking with you guys. Uh, really enjoyed the opportunity to to share some of my thoughts, and uh, and uh, I'm sure if in the future you want to go over anything else or other episodes, <laughs> but I'd be happy to come back as General Leonard. Wow. Oh. I, I can't even express so what know. that means to us. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this very much. And we promise we won't stalk <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. <laughs> I'm, I'm way well, out in the open. I said before, we're normal people, but you do have to understand that uh, for the show, and not only for the people on the show, but, but for the people watching the show, you were somewhat of a father figure to us. Definitely. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm glad I set a good example then, uh, and, and I'm, I probably wouldn't set such a good example now, but I'm old. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't pay, don't pay any attention to Gramps. He'll be fine. Just let him sit over there and smoke his, smoke his pipe and shut him up. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate are you taking the time to speak with us? Your work left an indelible mark uh, on so many of the fans, not the least of which was uh, Major and I. Thank you for your military service. Thank you for the many roles you executed so well for Robotech. And thank you for giving us a highlight moment for this uh, early 2021. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I wish you guys the very best of everything in this coming year. Greg, Thank you so much, and and, and you, you stay well. safe, okay? Thank you, my friends. You, you guys stay safe too, and we'll talk soon. Excellent, absolutely. Uh, yeah, really. Awesome. Thank you so much. You bet. Uh, unbelievable. Ha- Thanks. Have a wonderful night. Thank you, you guys too. Thank you. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck, dude! <laughs> wow. <laughs>